Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Jen. Welcome to Marginalia Pod. Where we treat reading as a sacred practice and find meaning and connections through our favourite books. I would like to begin by acknowledging the Gurungai and Daruk people, traditional custodians of the land where I am recording today, and pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. I'd also like to acknowledge Mana Whenua of Te Awakairangikitai, where I'm recording today. Ah. <sighs> well, this is quite unusual, recording on a Thursday, but, you know, we pivot, we're agile, we're moving with the times. That's right. Uh, it just was taking me back to December 2020 when we were doing the Scorpio races and we, like, could not wait. And we were like, we should just do it. We should just do it in like three weeks. So we did like four or five episodes in three weeks because we were so excited to be reading it. Yeah. Because we just had to get figure out what we were doing as well. We were just like baby podcasters. We were. We were babies. And now we're slightly more aged and learned podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, what sparked joy for you this week? Oh, it was a big week. My kids started school this week. But the last day before my daughter started on Sunday we all went to my in-law's house my my parents-in-law and they have a big pool and I finally bit the bullet and I went swimming with my kids and if you know anything about me you'll know that my ears are extremely <gasps> temperamental so every time I swim I get the dizzies or I get seasick mm-hmm. and I was like I don't care I'm just gonna suffer my kids would love to have me swim with them so I got to swim with them for a couple of hours and I got to try out my new like swimsuit which is actually gym to swim is what they call it and it's super cute and I felt really cute and I had a great time and I was dizzy for most of the day (laughs) but it was a really nice it was a really nice way to sort of wrap up the last day of summer so to speak so yeah I had had a swim delightful I'm glad you had a nice day with the kids yeah uh what about you what sparked joy for you this week it's been a bit of a weird week because my housemate has unfortunately broken our COVID-free streak and she brought the plague home. Ooh. So she's been very, well, she's not like super unwell, but she is unwell. Obviously unwell. I'm but, just doing um, the spicy cough in general. <laughs> I know. Well, we started watching Lord of the Rings. So we watched that on Sunday night. That was before she tested positive, but she was quite sick. So we watched Lord of the Rings and then we watched two towers and then we watch return of the kings and we've been watching one a night basically every night and it's just been so lovely and it's Mm. weird watching it with her because she actually does not care like she saw them when they came out but never again and it's weird watching it with a kiwi because there's a lot of stuff that i just don't know like she'll be like oh it's the it's lionel from shortland street i'm like i don't know who that is and i don't like that you're bringing this up because shortland street is like a soap (laughs) opera like a local soap opera so i'm like you are lowering the tone of the film by pointing this out Anyway, Wait, is it like it was... Home and Away? Yeah, yeah. So she's like, oh, that's that guy from Shortland Street. I'm like, no, stop it. <laughs> so yeah, it's just been really interesting. And when we watched Return of the King, she was saying all these things. I'm like, you are not properly appreciating the gravity of the situation. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, I threatened to make her keep watching it until she understood. So it was just really fun and funny and yeah, spark joy. <laughs> There's just going to be this medium piece that goes viral next year. My housemate trapped me while I had COVID and forced me to become a Lord of the Rings fan by Anonymous. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Ideal. That's great. We should watch them. I will be appreciative with you. I will be excited with you. I can't believe we didn't watch them, but we watched everything else when I was visiting you, so... (laughs) I didn't even make her watch the extended editions, I'd like to point out, which I own. We've just been streaming the cinema version. So there's all these things that happen, and I'm like, oh, wait, this is supposed to happen. Where's this scene? Because I normally watch the extendeds. But anyway, it's fine. It's all fine. It was delightful. Lovely. 
Well, this week we read chapters 14 through 20, and we read it through the theme of freedom. So I was wondering, do you have a story on the theme of freedom for us? Yeah, so I always used to think that I didn't have a lot of freedom growing up. I am an only child, and my parents aren't overprotective, but they are overprotective. Like, they're not helicopter parents, but they were definitely quite concerned about my comings and goings and whereabouts, especially, obviously, when I lived in South Africa. The furthest I was allowed to go by myself was, like, down a couple of houses down the road to visit my BFF at the time, right? Like, I didn't get to go anywhere else on my own ever. And, like, sure enough, okay, I was, like, under 14 years old at the time. But still, it's just, um, when I talk to friends here now about their childhoods, it's quite a remarkable difference in how I grew up compared to how they grew up. And then when we moved to Australia, I had significantly more freedom. Like, my mum used to work from home in South Africa. Now she was back in the workforce, like, going to the office. So I was on my own at home a lot of the time. You know, I'd never been home alone previously before that. So I I got to set my own routines, do my own things, spend time after school with my mates, whatever, do all that stuff. And then, of course, when I got my driver's license, I suddenly had more freedom. And when I left high school and started going to uni, I would go to my friend's house and we would have these marathons, like supernatural marathons. Like I would go after work on a Friday and we'd just like watch a season of supernatural until like three o'clock in the morning and then I'd go home, that sort oh of my thing. Gosh. And I would drive, obviously. And, you know, she only lived about half an hour from where I lived in Sydney at the time. And my mum would always be like, text me when you get there, text me when you leave. I don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning, text me when you're coming home. And I used to be so resentful of this. I'd be like, why do I need to text you? Why can't you just trust me? I am 19 years old, mum. Why do you need to know where I am? Like, you know, flips hair. Like, this is ridiculous. And often I would forget, like, not willfully, but, you know, you get there, you're excited to see your mate, you start talking about something and you're there for, like, two hours and you're like, ah, crap, I was supposed to message my mum. Or she will message me being like, okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, forgot. And it's just really interesting. And like if I was going to a gig or whatever, because I went to a lot of gigs, often she would wait up for me. And then I'd be really grumpy about that because I'd be getting home at like midnight. I'm like, why is my mother still awake? Or But the, what, one time that was very useful because the train stopped running. And so I knew I could just call her and she could come pick us yeah. up. Like it wasn't an issue. And she was like, it's my time to shine. Yeah, exactly. And she always said to me, you know, I don't care what time of day it is, what night, time of night, if you're in any trouble, anything at all, I'll always come pick you up. You know, never be afraid to call me. And I just used to get so grumpy about the fact that I had to like check in with my whereabouts all the time because I'm like, why don't you trust me? And I'm a grown up. And I mean, hilarious now thinking of myself as a grown up, as a 19 year old. But I thought it was really funny the other day because I live with my friend now. We bought a house together and I will message her being like, hey, I'm just going out tonight. I won't be home till like 11 p.m. Or she'll message me being like, playing netball, going to be out. And I'll be like, "Okay, so I won't see you until tomorrow morning. Just do these little chickens because when you share a house with someone, it's actually quite important to know where they are. And it's not about curtailing their freedom. It's yeah. just about having, I don't know, op- like just being aware. Because if someone doesn't come home, accidents happen. Things do go wrong. There is the opportunity where you're like, oh, why haven't I seen her for three days? You know, that sort of thing. So it is important, I think, to check yeah. in. And I find it so funny that I do this now out of my own free will when I resented this from my mother when I was like 19 <laughs> years old. Because I'll be like, oh, where are you? You're not at home. Where are you going? <laughs> like, Why am I doing this? But... It just makes sense and you don't appreciate that as a teen. And it's got nothing to do with trust or curtailing freedom. But it's an interesting way how we perceive what freedom is to us at different times of our lives. 
So yeah, that was just an, an observation. Hmm. I love that. That's a bit similar to my mom. My mom just wanted to know where I was. She got to a point where she was like, just be home by curfew and tell me where you're going to be. And that was like enough for her. But yeah, no, I love that. I, I think there's something about how when we grow up a bit, and I've no- noticed this with a lot of my female friends, is that we check in with each other, like especially mm-hmm. going home and getting places. It's yeah. a safety thing as well. I Like guys don't have to do this. Men, cis men don't really think about this. They don't go, hey, Bob, just letting you know I arrived home safe. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Messaging your friends, being like, let me know when you get home. Or even the other day, um, my housemate shared her location with me because she was test driving a car and she's like, just in case, just in case I get murdered. I'm like, yep, yeah, on it. <laughs> yeah, it's grim. Yeah, I, I mean, with my family, we all have each other's locations turned on for this exact reason. So I just view it as communication. I know there's a lot of conversations about like whether or not that's stalkery, but I'm, I don't worry about logistically it makes sense like just in terms of like running things it just makes sense yeah. if you don't have to wait for a reply from someone like, yeah and great. like when are you going to be at the station so i can collect you in this monsoon weather so yeah i think mm-hmm. there's a lot of freedom and communication yeah that's a good point um it does enable you to live your life in a way that you want to live it right which is freedom like mm-hmm. freedom if you think of it as the the ability to act and say and behave in a way that you want to behave that is what it is to be free so communication yeah. enables that. Hmm. And your mom gets all the points for staying up. I would totally do that as well. Isn't it nice to know that there's someone out there who just likes you and wants to spend yeah. time with you and wants to make sure that you're home safe? Isn't that a nice feeling? No, I felt incredibly guilty at all times. I'm like, can you please just go to bed? I don't want to be worried about you being up all night because I'm up all night. And then sometimes I still worry about it. I worry that she, like, is she sleeping through the night now that I no longer live at home? Or is she now just, like, always conscious of the fact that I am somewhere and she doesn't know where? Must be quite weird for a parent to let go of, you know, not knowing where your child is at all times. Yeah. I think we've had little experiences where my daughter has gone off to camp. And the first year was really rough. I was conscious of her being gone every second. The second year I did a lot better because I'm like, she's at camp. She did well last year. It's okay. So I think the more you do it, the more it's like, okay, your mom probably sleeps fine. Yeah, because I never slept. I really hated sleeping over. Like when I did sleep over at my best friend's house, they weren't coffee drinkers. And because I am such a chronic caffeine fiend and have been Mm -hmm. since I was a small child, I need caffeine (laughs) in the morning or I am absolutely ruined. And then I sleep over there and then by 10 o'clock I have to go home because now I've got a migraine. So good job. So I didn't like sleeping over. So I very rarely did. And that's why I usually drove back at three o'clock in the morning because my mate would always be like, you can just stay the night. And I'd be like, nah, I'd rather just drive home and sleep in my own bed, even though it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you need that coffee. Yeah. So you do chapter summaries. All right. So it turns out that America is really, really big. While this is joyful and amazing to Simon, Baz is supremely unimpressed by the Midwest. Uh, Penny remains too crushed to pay attention to the scenery or lack thereof. They decide to press on to California, pausing in Iowa to sleep, then taking a detour to Omaha, where they decide on a whim to visit a Ren Fair. Meanwhile, in California, Agatha is even more bored and annoyed, but she can't quite extricate herself from Brayden's attentions. Bum, bum, bum. Hmm. So a lot of expectation and a lot of interesting ideas around freedom this week. What did you what did you turn over when you were kicking over rocks in this section? I was thinking of freedom of expectation and how Mm. Simon is freed in this moment because he feels like America doesn't expect anything of him. Right. Like he is so happy 
in this place because he can be a completely new person. And then at the Ren Fair, he is so delighted because he can just be who he is as he is currently. And no one, he's like, no one's looking at me. And Baz is like, everyone's looking at you, but he's not in a bad way. So yeah, Yeah. it's just this real freedom of expectation of who he used to be and his own expectation of needing to know who he is now that he's not the chosen one anymore. But even though, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, he remains the chosen one, but never mind. This gets messy. But yeah, so it's just like this moment of where you can just be completely freed of any expectations. Yeah, it's really beautiful how he's letting himself go. And he's letting himself be happy, Mm. which is really wonderful. I mean, they're, you know, he's obviously navigating, making sure Baz is okay. And like, he's still in that weird, like, are we together? Are we not together? Why am I messing it all up? And I'll I'll talk about that a little bit. But he, yeah, I agree. He's really letting go of the need to be someone. Like he, he feels like he shouldn't have survived and it it seems like this is the first time in like a year that he's actually been able to just exist without that shadow of a legacy hanging over him. And I thought there was a parallel with Agatha as well, because that's what she's chasing. She's chasing this freedom of expectation, right? That's why she ran away essentially, because what she wants is freedom more than anything, right? She wants to chart her own course Mm. and set her own destiny. She does not want to be the center of a story you know the the prize at the end and yeah. i think that's what she's trying to say to ginger because she can see that now next is just another form of control right and she doesn't want that like she says to her i want burning lad and i want to watch crappy tv with you she wants to be free of expectations and free of a greater glory yeah it's interesting yeah, yeah she she mentions you know i don't have to think about what it's like to date a legend i've already dated one i don't want to do that again i kind of like that she's trying to subvert brayden's expectation like she knows that she's there because she's beautiful she's Mm -hmm. very honest about it and she keeps trying to like trip him up on that and you know she calls him on this on on page 86 she said i just met two guys who've been to space actual space do you think i've somehow missed the fact that most of the men here are people like you and josh and most of the women few as we are are like ginger and me i'm not fooled i know what's special about us and then brayden does this thing where he tricks her into having to defend ginger Mm-hmm. He's like, why don't you think your friend is special? Of course she's special. And she's like, yes, I know she's special. She's my best friend. Like, why are... And it's such a, it's such an effective tactic because it's his foot in the door. And I just hate him so much in that moment because she subverted his expectations. And then he did the same to her. But I also thought in that exchange, there was the expectation of... There was a kind of like um, what we call... What am I trying to think of? It's not really expectation. Maybe it is. But it's kind of like compulsory heterosexuality in that moment. She's mm-hmm. standing there. She's looking at him. And then she goes on page 85, he is cute, isn't he? It's like she's talking herself into liking him because yes, why yes. wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who's the guy that played the astronaut in Hayden Figures? You know, he's just like all American handsome. Like he's like a mm. template for what handsomeness is. I feel like Brayden is one of those, like his cookie cutter handsomeness. Yeah, it's kind of like um, Paul Rudd in Romeo and Juliet, right? He was cast yes. to be that character as Paris. Except we know now he's a vampire and mm. he'll never age because he looks exactly the same. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like Brayden. So you see, yes. there we go. <laughs> I could just cast Paul Rudd in this movie. That would be great. Love it. Not that there's a movie. We're not trying to... There's no movie. I just wish there were. Um, yeah, I loved that section where she was like, you know, she called him out on everything. I didn't tell you my name. Oh, you got it from Ginger. And he's not even ashamed of that. He's like, hee hee, look how sneaky I am. Yeah, because there's this expectation that men think that sort of behavior is okay. They think it's okay to not take no for an answer or just like wear her down because that's what popular media has told men to do. And I'm just, it's, mm. I'm not into it. My housemate and I are watching Love Island at the moment. And it is honestly just rage for me the entire time. And I feel like it's this <laughs> sort of behavior. I'm just not into it. I have never seen Love Island, but 
I imagine it would not be fun to watch. Uh, yeah. My recommendation for any show, if you want to watch reality TV, is to watch Unreal, which is about what it's like to produce reality TV. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's like a Bachelor send up. And it is an incredible, incredible piece of writing that just completely goes into what it means to develop TV like that. Yeah, no, it's all very much a psychological experiment, which is why we watch it. We do a lot of psychological analysis of it. But also I think my housemate just likes that I get really fired up and I get quite ranty and then I'm quite funny because like Baz, I'm quite funny when I'm ranty because Baz is just on fire in this whole section. Oh, he's so annoyed. I like I had a whole I just enjoyed his list so much. I was just giggling the whole time. He was like, we get the sun. We get it. You're very bright. We get it. Stop shining. My favorite line is page 66. You might well expect hell to be hot, but you don't expect it to also be humid. That's what makes it hell. Surprise twist. The devil is clever. (laughs) We are currently living in a humid hell, both of us. So sympathy, Baz. Yes. I think it's like 80% humidity today and I went outside briefly to like pick up all the tennis balls out of the back garden and I was dripping with sweat after five minutes of walking around looking for tennis balls and it was only like 25 degrees out. Yeah. So unfair. I would also like to talk about a little bit that Simon didn't know what to expect when he falls in love and Mm. he has this little chat about it on page 80 where he's there you know they've stopped at the hotel and Baz has come out smelling of all of his lotions and perfumes and I imagine him coming out of the bathroom like Hal from Hal's Moving Castle like with the clouds following him Mm -hmm. and on page 80 Simon says I genuinely didn't know how I felt I thought I hated him I thought about him all the time I missed him so much in the summer I thought I was just lonely I thought I was hungry I thought I was bored and he's not able to articulate what this is until well the Christmas that they kiss right because he didn't really know what it was like to be in love with someone he'd never been shown that and I just my heart is broken into about a million pieces thinking about the fact that he had this ongoing antagonism with this person and he was so desperate to like notice and be noticed by him and couldn't articulate it and it was because he didn't have enough love and I'm freaking out about it yeah anyway I mean, yeah, and Baz antagonizes him as well because he knows that he's in love with him, but he also knows that he can't do anything about it because why would he be able to? Because he's, you know, so unreachable. And so they just antagonize each other the entire time because it's the only way they can have any contact with each other. It's just a lot. I do think they don't have the freedom. Like Baz certainly doesn't have the freedom to love Simon the way he wants to. And I think vice versa, Simon doesn't have the freedom because he doesn't know how. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's that bit on page 66 where Baz just says, there's no safe time for me to see you, nothing about you that doesn't tear my heart from my chest and leave a breakable outside my body. Mm. And I just want to throw myself into a ravine. (laughs) Just go live in the fire swamp. (laughs) And even, you know, Simon on page 75, like when Baz is being so unbearably kind to Penny, like he's just really putting himself out there for her. And Simon says, I love him so much and I want to tell him so, but I've never managed to say it. And now is definitely not the time. Just say it. Just say it. I just need you two to communicate. Just say it. Because if Baz doesn't think you love him and if you just told him, then it would be so much easier for him to bear what you're going through. I know. I think they've kind of ruined themselves through expectation in a way because... They decide not to room together, even though, you know, on that same section you talked about, Simon says, you know, we used to spend every night together and wake up together every morning. How long has it been since I fell asleep listening to him breathe? They had this expectation of how a relationship should go, even though neither of them have really actually been 
in our relationship before. Like, the relationship Simon had with Agatha doesn't count, in my opinion. So they don't know how to make it work. And then they think, oh, we won't get a room together when we leave because, you know, there's this expectation that Simon will get it with Penny and we can't do that because that would be too soon. And I think if they had gotten a place together, they would be so much better off because it's that distance. It's the fact that Baz leaves. It's like Simon has this real fear of rejection, right? You can see it in the way that he doesn't want to be seen by Baz. He doesn't want to, you know, you can't hide from someone when you're kissing them, that sort of thing. Yes. Baz doesn't know if he's welcome in Simon's space. So every time he leaves, that's like another little cut in this relationship. If they lived together, this would be so much easier to manage. Yeah, I agree. I think they just, I mean, it's a good, okay, so it's very good that they didn't move in together right after school because they all have to work through their trauma, but Simon is not working through his trauma. So yes, I think that you're right that they need to be closer together. I think that Baz is trying to be respectful of what Simon needs without actually realizing that Simon just needs someone to boss him around and be like, okay, so this is what you need to do. I'm staying and we're going to be fine with that. Like he would respond well to that. He likes being given directions. Even if they got a three bedroom flat and Baz could have had his own bedroom, like, so there was still space. Like I still think that would have been better than what they ended up doing. It's like, they just, they have this expectation of what it meant to be like kind of adults, right? Because you think you're an adult at that age and it's like, hmm. And I, you know, I worry, you know, I think Simon has a real fear that he has curbed the freedom of the people that he loves. Like, this is why he wants to break up with Baz. He feels like he's holding Mm -hmm. him back. And he has that conversation with Penny and he's like, oh, you know, she didn't go to America because of me. So that's why her relationship with Micah is over, right? So Yeah, I agree with you that Baz doesn't feel like he has the freedom to, I, I just feel like he doesn't have a lot of freedom in any way, right? Like he can't, he can't touch Simon. He can't eat normally. He doesn't get to like, comfort penny without having to go out and eat a bunch of cats like he just can't sit down and enjoy a meal with his friends he can't even get a normal sunburn like he's so restricted because he is something different Mm. and this text is so fantastic because you can really take anything that you're seeing anything that you're reading and turn it into like it's allegorically applicable to so many other situations but i just i just felt this like this is a metaphor for queerness this is a metaphor for race this is a metaphor for being visibly different in a body because the biggest issue for him is he's trying to fit into what is expected of him like baz is always trying to do the proper thing right and that is a lot of what curtails his freedom because he's trying to Mm -hmm. live in a way that is incompatible with who he is yeah and i think what i love about this series is that we really see him coming into his own as this goes along like he becomes to terms with who he is and especially in this book because he is you know once you hit that rock bottom you can remake yourself and the image that you actually want to be remade in it's almost like he has to cast off all of the awfulness and and all of the preconceived ideals before he could really start to actually go who am i and what do i want yeah and acknowledge that right because if you're still looking in the mirror and seeing something that you should see instead of what you are then it's hard to to make a world that you are comfortable in um Let's talk about the freedom of thinking you have it all figured out. Because Penny, you know, she thinks she's ticked that boyfriend box. And that gave her so much freedom, right? To focus on other things. Like she even says on page 90, everyone around me wasted years trying to fall in love. I wasted nothing. I crossed it off my list. She's reckoning with herself, which I love because Penny doesn't have a lot of uh, growth moments. (laughs) She's... um... So the thing is, I really identify quite strongly with Penny because I am similarly bullheaded and also very confident in myself. (laughs) That whole thing where she goes, I'm always right. I mean, it's the law of averages. I was like, oh my gosh, I have said this. I have thought this and said this. And I'm like, okay, I need to remember that Penny is fallible and I am fallible. 
But um, I actually viewed it a different way. Like, she's kind of, she's hurt, obviously. It does hurt not to be wanted. It does hurt to be broken up with very unkindly. I don't give Micah any points for not communicating it over the phone properly. Like, if most of their relationship is over the phone, they can break up over the phone. That's fine. Anyway, I, I, I think she's free now from the expectation that she has to make it work somehow or that she has to make him come around because that's a lot of emotional labor she was probably like shelving for later figuring out how to convince him to just move to England because she already knew herself she didn't want to Mm. and she said as much to Simon right like if I had really wanted to move to America I would have made it work even without me oh I would have taken you with me would you no Baz would have never let me but like she's she's saying to herself like she would have been bored with Micah she knows that but she ha- she has her work and she has Simon. She would never be bored with Simon. So her priorities are like the other two mm. things in that list. And she's now able to like reconsider. Actually, nothing yeah. really will change. She just has to deal with the awfulness of not being in a couple anymore. Yeah. It's also like, why do you need to be in a couple? Like, why is this a box you need to tick off at all? But, you know, I recognize that I'm weird like that. But it annoys me when people are like, this is the most important thing. Like, she's like, people wasted years trying to fall in love. You're I like, never wasted any time trying to be in love. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Um, I just also think there's like a little bit of a curtailing of freedom when you yeah. are in a relationship. Like, because you have to mm. consider others. You can't always do what you want to do. You have to make considerations for other people. Penny didn't really do that. She didn't really think about Micah's expectations yeah. or what he wanted. She was like, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. You know, like deal with that later, as you said, parking that emotional labor. But even when she talks about her dad and her mum's relationship, this idea that her yeah. dad just sits around waiting for Matali to do amazing things, it's quite interesting. And she says, like, expecting Micah to be at home for her, I guess. Like, he's going to be a stay-at-home husband <laughs> or something. Like, nothing wrong with that, but... Does Micah know? I doubt it. I think she was like just looking for the same kind of relationship because she's very confident in herself the way that her mom is. And she's actually quite a magic snob too. Mm. So I think she would prefer to be the one with all of the ability. She likes being in charge. Yeah, I do think Simon's onto something on page 73 when he says, it was more like Mm. like she took charge of me immediately, like I was an easy mark. Maybe Micah was an easy mark too. And I think, yes, that is 100% very observant because he would have been an easy mark and he was following her around. So she was like, cool, done, let's go. And like, you know, you're not related because he's from another continent. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, the world of magical Britain has to be so small. It's like the royals somebody's a cousin i want to give bears a shout out for immediately coming up to be like mm, on penny's mm-hmm. side when she says mike has got an, a new normal girlfriend or something and she's like no 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 it's not like that but he's in there straight away and what he's a like, good still. lad good yeah. job yeah oh he's great and he he like he's so lovely in the way that he comforts her is so beautiful um it's just one of my favorite things in the world where you know she's sitting there crying and she's like i'm hard to talk to nobody does. and then she says but you wouldn't date me and Bess says i really wouldn't but you know not because of that. You're practically my type. And it's true that they're very similar. So it made me laugh. I love that they are friends. Um, that line on, I don't remember where it was. It's when she was in the shower sort of moping about it. And she's like, Micah was meant to be the stable part of the equation. And I'm like, is that mm. Baz now? Has Baz actually become the stable part of that equation? I think they view Baz as quite stable. I think Penny certainly does, but I don't think Baz is stable at all. And that's the thing. He's always pretending to be, right? But he's got yeah. his own issues. Yeah, he does. But I also think that he is very dependable and reliable and loyal. Yeah, I mean, he's always going to be there to the point where he's actually doing himself a bit of harm yes. by putting other people first at all times. But I think we've got a bit of an anxious avoidant relationship situation going on here where like Baz is really 
clingy and needs that reassurance and Simon just runs the more he clings. It's like classic sociological situation. Yeah, different attachment styles. Yeah. Well, and I think mm. like every time, I think that Baz is bracing for the worst. Like he's he's just trying to soak up so much of the joy that Simon's experiencing and he's like putting up with the worst situations. Like he's miserable there. He does not like mm-hmm. the scenery. Mm-hmm. He does not like this stupid song about the horse with no name. Just name the horse. By the way, that is a a banger. I love that song. But he just, every time he looks at Simon, he's like, he's happy. It hurts me to look at him. It hurts me when he's sad and it hurts me when he's happy. But he's happy. So I am doing this. He's the most loving person because he's doing the most despicable things, in his opinion, in order to be there for the person that he cares about. And like for him, that's like a declaration. That's skywriting. That is like doing a flash mob proposal that is as big as it gets right to put yourself through things that are annoying as hell for the person you love that is the biggest declaration Mm. of love but simon doesn't see it because it's not the way that he thinks love should be or maybe it's because he doesn't recognize love when he's offered it i just doesn't he also doesn't know how miserable bez is right because bez isn't communicating it he like he's seeing bez putting sunblock on but bez doesn't tell him like hey i'm sunburnt to hell and back and it's actually doing serious damage yeah me a vampire like they don't communicate like bez doesn't communicate that because he doesn't i guess he doesn't want to lay that at simon's door in a way but if it was me i would have been vocalizing that list every step of the way like i yes i'm here i'm doing the thing but i'm gonna be bloody obnoxious about it let me promise you that and i do that quite regularly and people find it quite funny but i am also serious and i do hate it so (laughs) (laughs) i like that you tell me these things because then i'm like but you're still here so it means that you're willing so i'll just ignore your complaining and we'll carry on you would stop if you really wouldn't didn't want to be there you would stop no and there's a line between I saying complaining and a haha this is fun I'm going to complain about it and then I'm just going to shut up and get on with it and do the thing and complaining the entire time because there yeah. is there's quite a fine line I've spent time with people where they literally tell you they hate every single moment of everything that you're doing they hate the weather they hate the venue they hate this they hate that like and then at the end of the day like I had such a nice time I'm like did you because none of that was joyful or Yes, you made me manage all of your misery. Yeah, there's a, I feel like there's a different way to do it, and I do it in a quite fun way, like a lolzy's way, which yeah. I think Baz is doing in his head. But yeah, maybe I'm wrong and I'm just really obnoxious. Eh. Oh well. No, because look, I trust that if you didn't want to be somewhere, you would just figure out a way not to be there. Correct. And I feel like that's the same for Baz. I get really shirty with people who, like you, would get shirty with people who do this who are just complaining and negative but then don't take the out i'm always going to offer people an out so if i'm with someone and they're clearly miserable i'm like just go i like my feelings will be way less hurt if you're like i'm not feeling it i need to go than if you're like no it's fine i'm here now yeah who cares if you're being rude rack off honestly i also think there's always something to you can find to make it fun like yeah, even if yeah. I'm like when I'm at the football and I every time I go to the football, I'm like, why have I done this? I hate this. this I did see that on my your stories a few weeks ago and I was like, what is she doing? <laughs> yeah, went to the football and then I'm like, oh, yeah, 90 minutes. But I have to say that was a good game and it was actually really interesting because stuff was happening the entire time. So that was good. USA well, you football have... fans. So that was great. Yeah, and you have Vic Essen on goals. She's amazing. She's one of my favorite athletes of, of all time. Yeah, they really like held it together. It was also blisteringly hot, and I had worn my black jeans and my black singlet, like golf day out at the football, and everyone else around me is like in shorts and crop tops, and I'm like, mm, I've made a mistake. But they all <laughs> insisted we move into the shade at halftime, and I'm like, amateurs. 
tell me you weren't an emo in Australia without telling me. Like, I can handle this. This is fine. But yeah, when I go, like, you know, I find things to watch. I'm like, oh, look at the little car bringing out the kicking thing. That's fun, isn't it? Or you just like become obsessed with someone else in the, the, the crowd that you're suddenly like making mm. fun of. Sorry, anonymous person. But you know, it's like joyful yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, you're anyway. finding things to keep yourself interested. That's, yeah. It's good. We like You can make them. the effort. You can make the effort is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to be there, be there. I think it's interesting Baz and Penny go on this road trip, go on this whole trip altogether, knowing that it's a bad idea. Like, they both know that this is a bad thing to do, but they just barrel on ahead. And Penny has that moment in the shower yeah. as well. She's like, would I have even suggested this if I hadn't sensed that something was wrong? You know? It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I love how clueless Simon is about the whole thing where he's like, you didn't tell your parents? You didn't switch over your phone? Why didn't you tell your parents? Like, he's so confused that they're not doing it in an above board way when Penny has never in her life done anything in an above board way. Because they would have told us no, Simon. Because it was not a well thought out idea. Yeah. But that's okay. They needed to have this adventure. I also love that they just go away and their parents don't even notice. Like, it's so funny to me that they come back in any way the wind blows and Natalie's like, whatever, I've got other things on my plate. I'm busy. Leave me alone. Oh, it's so funny. This is like somebody who's like, I'm done raising you. You're finished. I Like, you're cooked. You're out of the oven now. I don't have to think about it. Yeah. 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 But I, I mean, it, well, we'll get to any way the wind blows and we'll talk about how Penny is not done yet. But yeah. Oh. Um, cool. Do you have anything else for expectation or freedom? Um, I think I do. Yeah, I, I want to circle back to when we were talking about Simon at the Ren Fair, how he's experiencing the freedom to like just be himself. Like his wings pop and it's not like, oh gosh, I have to hide myself. It's more like he's just allowed to exist and everybody's like, that's really cool. Did you make them yourself? And he's like, yes, because he, he did. Um, and, and then there's that great moment where um, they all get their money off for having cosplay and Baz looks down at his shirt and says, this is a very expensive shirt <laughs> as a response to getting $5 off for cosplay. Like, it's so funny. It's such a classic Baz response and it just makes me laugh every time. He's got freedom of expression, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how indignant Penny gets when she's like, is the theme British? Is it just weird and British? <laughs> yes. She's so head up about it. So funny. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about how the Ren Fair for Simon is like the first time you go to Pride. And you realize that, like, you're just one of so many people who are all different than you have been taught that people are. And what an incredibly wonderful feeling it is to not be looked at for how you present or how you are. It's really beautiful. And, yeah, it's not something that he's got to experience ever in his life because he was always a juvenile delinquent, basically, right? Mm. A kid that gave off weird vibes. As we talked about in the last book, the magic made him seem really weird to other people. And then he was the chosen one. And then now he's the chosen one who survived but has no magic. And also he's got these devil wings and devil tail. And they, like he's just so out there. And he isn't really, it's not like all necessarily a choices. He's just always been different. Mm. So yeah, I love that he just kind of gets to run around and sword fight and 
even Baz gets into it a little bit. There's a little bit of beauty in that freedom that they both have to just play. Oh, so I know. Good. I love how he, he just leans into his Shakespearean English, Baz. And then he, he tells Simon, you know, you have such a fair aspect. He's always telling Simon how beautiful he is, but he doesn't mm. do it in a way that Simon understands it. Like, Simon always yeah. misses it. <laughs> it just drives me absolutely wild. That's because he's a little bit agony. of a himbo. And that's okay. He is a himbo. But we love him anyway. Yeah, me too. Did you have anything else for um, expectation or freedom? Nah, that's all mine. Oh, how about tangential? Yeah, so there's a line that really stuck out to me. It's when Simon turns around and he sees Baz with his hair all sticking out. And he's like, you you look like Mozart or whatever it is. And he says, you've got to look, Baz. It's a scream. I just thought that was such a weird turn of phrase for Simon to use to say it's a scream. It's like almost, it's quite old fashioned. And I don't know why that really just stood out to me. I'm like, this doesn't feel very Simon-y. I wonder where he picked that up. Yeah. Yeah, I think I clocked that too. But I was just really indignant on Baz's behalf because he can't help it if his hair is all crazy. You know he's sensitive about his looks. Don't, Don't twiddle him about his looks. But he does look like Mozart, and he says it. <laughs> I also love that when, you know, Penny comes out of the room after she's had the little existential breakdown in the shower or whatever, and she's, you know, Baz clocks her, and she makes the observation that his face goes gentle. It's intolerable, because that is exactly how Simon feels about things being gentle. Like, Penny and Simon mm. are quite similar in that way, that she's like, no, nope, no feelings. Yeah, I hate it when people are nice to me when I'm vulnerable. <laughs> Yeah, which probably hasn't helped Simon's um, development with her being his main friend, if that is the way that we communicate. Yeah. Well, I mean, she loves him, but she also is very fascinated by him. Mm. And so their friendship has this element of like, ooh, I'm prodding the science experiment. Okay, I am the science experiment. And because like they were so young when they met and became friends... They're, like, mm. just keeping each other out of habit. And I do think they genuinely like each other. But I do think that that fascination is a big part of it for Penny. And maybe Simon thinks that if he's not doing something or being something or chosen in some way, that everybody will just leave him. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I think ben- maybe Penny is not the best for the emotional, the EQ friendship. But Baz isn't either because he's so deep in his feelings that he can't communicate them. No, it's not great with the communication, dear Baz. I think I had... Oh, there was... Oh, someone finally said it. Page 71. Baz says, this is turning into a crime spree. Thank you. <laughs> I've been saying. Um, I also love that on page 69. Uh, Baz says that his mom was a fiend for Wham. It makes me think of Meredith mm-hmm. now. Yep. Um, when Baz starts to lean into it. This, this is something I really love. Like, my husband is a very serious person, so whenever I can make him laugh, it's, like, the biggest win for me. And so on page 102, when Simon accuses, you're having fun, and Baz goes, fi, I was just like, I know this feeling so well. When you're like, aha, I caught you. You're enjoying yourself. Yes. Yeah, and, like, I love the next section as well when they just go for it. Like, they just really embrace yeah. it. It's so nice. It's so nice when you in a situation like that where you can just be really silly. Like, there are very few places in life where adults are just allowed to play. And yeah. I think a situation like that is just perfect for it. Like, just let go. Just be... Yes. Which is why I'm now in the... Like, I get... I dress up when I go to gigs and stuff. Like, I embody this persona. Because why not? I get to play. This is my time to play. Yeah. So I'm going to do it. 
I love that. Yeah. We should all have time to play. As grown-ups, we have to figure out what that looks like for us, but we should all have time to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have an in-depth? I do. So my in-depth is on page 65, and it's Baz's section when he is just lamenting and the line is because I'm just so tired and I don't know how to I mean there's nothing there's no fixing him and he's just thinking about Simon and how Simon is you know happy as a pig in mud and how he's saying that he wish he's wanted to cast that spell on him so many times because he just doesn't know how to handle Simon being so sad and so depressed I think it relates to our free our themes because freedom you know if you think of it as the power to act and speak the way you want Baz can't do that. He can't be the person he wants to be both around Simon, but also with Simon. But you can't really do that when someone you love is depressed or when you're depressed. Like you don't have that freedom to be who you are because when someone is suffering, you feel like you have to watch what you're saying around them. You can't really do what you want to do. And there's an expectation there as well because you don't know what's expected of you. And the person who is feeling all Mm -hmm. the feelings also feels the weight of expectation because they think oh I should just be happy or I should just be this and I shouldn't be having a hard time or whatever it is there's this like real weight of expectations that come with that situation and you know I did just watch Lord of the Rings so it reminded me yet again of Frodo and Sam at the end of Return of the King when Frodo is so unhappy and everyone just expects him to be happy because the war is over like you've you've won the war Frodo you did the thing so why are you still unhappy why are you leaving Middle Earth right like people just don't understand but that's what he needs to do right and it it also reminded me of again of harry and order of the phoenix where people are just like we don't know how to handle you when you are feeling all these feelings um because cedric died and then again and half-blood prince is just people just don't know what to do with him right because he's just like so emotional and in such a state and it's just life like i hear i have this conversation with friends all the time where they're talking about because I am hashtag team depression. Like everyone, when they're having trouble with their mental health will come to me. Or if someone they love is having trouble with their mental health, they'll come to me because I've been there. And sometimes they're just like, I don't know how to, how do I fix them? How can I make this better? And like, you can't, you can't fix it for someone else. All you can do really is just be there. And it's going to be hard. And sometimes people are going to be really mean to you. And I'm not saying that you should necessarily take that, but you also need to remember that often, people in that mental state aren't being mean to you because they hate you. It's actually because they hate themselves. I think it comes from a lot of Mm. self-loathing and then it just lashes out onto the people around you. So I think going forward, if you're like Baz and you're in a situation where someone that you love is going through a hard time and you just don't know what to do and you're just really tired, it's okay to make time for yourself and be gentle for you on yourself too. Like, yeah. You can't help them if you're not helping yourself. So you need to prioritize yourself, even though that feels selfish when someone you love is going through something terrible. But you just have to prioritize yourself because you can't help. You can't pour from an empty vessel. So you can't support them if you are dry. Yeah, I love that. It's just a reminder for us all. Um, what was your in-depth? Uh, I chose the section on page 81 where Baz is just sauntered out of the shower smelling of... Uh, an apothecary Mm -hmm. and you know (laughs) simon is contemplating all of the things he's basically deep in the fields so it wasn't supposed to be like this baz and i were supposed to kill each other and then it wasn't supposed to be like this we were supposed to be together i'm the one who messed it up and messing it up by being too messed up in the first place by not wanting to talk to him and never wanting him to spend the night by not wanting him to look at me by not wanting him to see me actually so i feel like this is both the expectations that 
Simon had about how he and Baz should be. You know, he doesn't, he didn't really know what he was feeling. He didn't know how to name the feelings he had as, as what they were. And now he's, he's expecting to mess them up because he's messed everything else up. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking about like freedom. Like, is this a bid for freedom for himself? Like, is he saying like, maybe if I'm not with Baz, I can do something or, or is it that he's wanting Baz to be free of him or is it that he wants to be free from having to actually do the work to heal himself because he does need to do that work and I think on a fundamental level he actually knows that he needs to do that work so but then is he saying like Baz deserves the freedom without the burden of Simon because Simon recognizes that he needs to be cared for um and so I was just like kind of turning all of this over and I didn't I didn't really come to a conclusion but it reminded me of the fantastic article I know what you think of me by Tim Kreider and I know I've spoken about this before and I know that a lot of people know this quote um which is if we want the rewards of being loved we have to submit to the mortifying ordeal of being known and that that's the end of mm. the article that's like the final line in the article and the whole thing is worth a read I'll link it in the show notes it's incredible because it's true. If we want to be loved, we have to be vulnerable. We have to let people see the ugly parts of us, the unperfect parts. Simon doesn't know what to expect because he's never had a real relationship before. With Agatha, it was play acting on both their parts. Like they might have cared for each other, but it, they were also playing a role. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do with Baz. And Baz is not demonstrative in a way that Simon can understand yet they haven't come to that point yet so it's really hard neither of them feel like they have the freedom to really be themselves and develop their relationship but they also don't want to let go of it they're just hampered by expectations on all sides mm. so I think going forward like freedom from being vulnerable is a kind of freedom but I don't think it's worth the cost of connection so I'm going to keep being vulnerable because I want the connection I want to build community I want the people around me to know that I am wholehearted yeah it's the worst. Just makes me sad, these boys. <laughs> I know, it is really hard because they genuinely do love and care for each other. It's just they can't, they just don't know how to communicate it, right? And every slight they take so personally because they fundamentally don't trust the affection because they just think it's going to be taken yeah. away at any moment. Like Simon can't really trust Baz like he just doesn't believe that Baz is in it and Baz can't trust Simon because he just can't believe it just yeah it's horrible that's horrible yeah. anyway who would you like to spotlight I'm going to spotlight Simon because he's deeply hurt and he's living in trauma and he's finally getting to a point where he can enjoy things he's enjoying being in America and I love that for him and I also love that song that he's really into it's a great song so I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, who are you going to spotlight this week? I'm spotlighting Baz because he hates absolutely everything, but he'll keep doing it because it makes Simon happy. And <laughs> I just think, I do think that kind of selflessness veers into self-betrayal and it isn't actually happy, but mm. he is going through it and he's just grinning and bearing it and he's being grumpy AF, but he's putting up with it. And, you know, I just want to give him some love for that because he's doing the most in his way. Um, do you have any homework this week? Homework for our listeners? Not really. I'm just going to say go watch Lord of the Rings because it's amazing. And even though it's 20 years old, it still holds up. I think the effects and everything, because they use so many practical effects, it really holds up. So yeah, it's great. And New Zealand is great. And it's the best advertisement for this beautiful country. So go see it. What was your homework for the listeners? Okay, so this week I finally read Scattered Showers by Rainbow Rowell, and I did not have crying over Beth and Lincoln on my 2023 wish list, but I did cry on that story. 
It was an amazing story. I love them both so much. And I am also happy for more Simon and Baz. And I will always take anything more about Reagan. Love Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I watched the six-part docuseries Stuff the British Stole, which is a Mark Fennell production. He's fantastic. I love Mark Fennell. He's so funny. And he's so... He's like the best kind of Australian journalist, so I highly recommend that. I actually watched that with my daughter, and we really enjoyed it. So, highly recommend. Well, next week we'll be reading chapters 21 to 27 through the theme of escape. Can't wait. Well, thank you so much, Jen. I'm glad we got to, like, catch up and do a little bit of a midweek recording. So fun. So different. Yeah. So lovely. Thank you for um, rescheduling. As always, I just adore you. So... Yeah. I adore you. See you next time. (laughs) All right. See you next time. Thank you for joining us today. Marginali Pod is written, edited, and produced by us, Gen D and Gen V. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to hello at marginaliapod.com, check out our Instagram, or maybe dash off a quick review. You can also subscribe so you never miss an episode. Our music is by Scott Buckley, and the logo artwork is by Laura Cato. You can find detailed show notes for each episode and much more at our website www.marginaliapod.com. Special thanks to all the people in our various communities whose love and care sustains us. Without your support, we would be very sad little critters. We appreciate you. And to you, our wonderful listeners, thanks again for being here. We love spending this time with you. 